0: Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals, your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now, here is Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard to help you find out how to be Financially Tuned.
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Financially Tuned with myself, Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams. Today, we're going to be discussing an interesting topic of uh, what you should know when it comes to investing, kind of a little bit of everything, you know, touch on a few things that people should be aware of, aren't aware of, overlook, don't think through thoroughly, things like that. But before we get into that, I want to welcome our co-host, Mr. Tony Shore. How are you doing today, Tony?
0: Hey, that's me. I'm doing good, Simon. I'm having as much fun as I can on a financial radio show right now with you.
1: (laughs) Well said,
0: right? <laughs> I mean, aren't you excited about our show today?
1: Yeah, yeah, I am. We're missing Baron, of course, but I think we'll make do for a day without him.
0: Oh, we'll we'll be fine. Yeah. we'll be fine. Yeah, we'll Baron needs a Baron needs a break. So, uh, and last last week you had a break, so yeah. here we are. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I've been doing great. I had a busy week. Uh, I did some traveling and also spent some time with some family starting to get into it. You know, how about you? What have you been doing?
1: That sounds nice. I, uh, yeah, just keeping busy here. We, uh, are doing a bunch of year end wrap up stuff as we wind the year down. So been just kind of keeping busy, making sure everybody's got things done that they need for the end of the year, both for the clients and for ourselves and the business as well. Just make sure we've hit all our deadlines. Nothing got overlooked. So always a busy time. Then you mix that in with the holidays and people's random schedules and last minute remembrances. It's fun.
0: Yeah. 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 It gets busy. It gets crazy busy this time of year, at least for me and my family. How about you?
1: Yeah, it does. Depends on the year. Um, I'm the oldest of five, and three of my siblings live out of state. Three of them are married. My parents live here, and one of my brothers and his wives. But my grandparents moved here not too many years ago, kind of downsized, moved out our direction. So it depends on the year. Every three years, we've all committed that everybody will come home and hang out. So those years are super busy. The off years just kind of depends on what's going on with the friends and you know the family that's in town, but always a good time regardless.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I love this time of year. It has gotten crazy though. So at least for me, I've been so busy with work and family and the holidays. Uh, Now, what are we talking about on the show today? What's our topic?
1: Well, Tony, you know, I thought it would just be kind of fun and interesting to cover a bunch of the topics that have been coming up in some of the recent conversations with clients, articles we've been reading, things that are in the media, as far as things that you should know about investing. It's kind of a wide range of stuff, not necessarily that it all goes together, but it should be fun.
0: <laughs> well, well, obviously, it's going to be helpful to understand some of these things. Uh, we Things to know uh, when investing. Sounds important, especially right now with the market going crazy, right?
1: Right, and uh, we are a show about financial planning and investing. So, yeah, I think the first one, yeah, the first one we'll talk about is active versus passive investing. That's a big thing that's going on these days. Uh, we've heard it, and the trends shifted for the last several years. Active investing versus passive investing. Passive investing is kind of what was made famous from Vanguard years ago when they came on the scene and they said basically. A lot of your traditional mutual fund managers or the individual that you're sitting down investing with, you know, they're buying and selling mutual funds and picking different blends and trying to time the market and things like that. And the vast majority of them, the percentage was extremely high, failed to really outperform the standard benchmark. So if you mean, you know, benchmark being just the broad S&P 500 overall stock market or the broad bond market you know, these mutual fund managers or the individuals that you were sitting down with that were picking the stocks and the blends of these funds weren't doing any better than the overall market. So Vanguard came along and said, why pay them to do that? The fees that you're paying them are coming out of your total returns and your total returns aren't doing as well as they should. You know, if you're a 50-50 stock and bond investor, you're a guy who's picking his stocks and bonds and mutual funds and bond funds. He's actually lagging in performance and then you're missing out on the performance and you're missing out on the fees So that came along and then BlackRock is a big, uh, passive index fund, uh, manager. They came out. iShares. there's a number of them out there that are really huge, uh, in that field. And basically all they do is make funds that mimic a particular index or a particular sector at a very low cost for the fund expense ratio. And you get that same kind of, uh, exposure. So that's the passive side of things you're getting kind of the general market exposure that you want on a very low cost in essence.
0: Sure. I mean, so what's the active side of things?
1: The active side, that's the real sexy, exciting, fun part of things. That's the ones that you hear where these guys are out there buying and selling and getting you out before the market goes down and getting you back in at the bottom as it comes up and you're not losing on the bad times and you're making money on the good times and everything's perfect and hunky-dory. However, the obvious point is that not everybody does that well and does it consistently consistently. Otherwise we'd all end up over with those guys. Right? Right. So, so the, you know what they're saying in a lot of the studies are saying is that on the individual side, you know, if you come to me as an investor and I'm good, I've been doing this for a long time. I like it. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to some of these things that, all aside despite all that information and knowledge and things that we have we still don't have enough to kind of beat the market consistently over time it's really only the big institutional guys um, some of those high net worth money managers out there that are managing money for a specific goal the portfolio managers uh, the groups like gradient that we have some of those factors out there where they've got a team of investors you know in some cases they've got endless amounts of tools and research And they, you know, they've got tons of guys with tons of experience that have seen all the cycles, you know, those are the ones that are able to make better decisions from time to time shift where the portfolios tilts are add value. And in those cases they are. But what happens is, you know, when they don't do it consistently every time or when the market's on a bull run and everybody's making money regardless, You know they kind of fall out of favor. And it's only when things are bad that they are kind of excited and interesting. So the active ones are the guys that are making the more active management decisions. And if they're the big institutional groups, the big money managers, they may be able to add some value. But on the individual side, if it's us as individual investors, studies show that you know they're not doing it consistently over time or the individuals out there doing it themselves are making poor decisions or untimely decisions are swayed by fear things like that. So that's kind of the active side of it.
0: Sure. What about fees? You mentioned fees. We have to watch out for that when investing, right?
1: Well, sure. And before we jump into that, I'll point out that, you know, when it comes to the active versus passive, some of the trends and what they've been over time, um, the fees kind of play into the vanguard side of it, the passive side. What they're saying is pay less in fees, get the same exposure, you know, active side. Obviously, if you have somebody that's being more active, you're going to pay them more. But the reality is, you know, it kind of, you know, the market's cyclical It kind of goes in trends. Um, 50% of the time or so, the market is in a bull market or a positive year where the market's moving up and positive. 30% of the time, the market's kind of moving up or down sideways. Years like we had in 2015 where the market went up the first half and steadily down the second half. And we ended up relatively flat. Um, 2011, which was up and down and up and down and up and down. And we ended up 2% for the year. So flat then. And then 20% of the time, the market's in kind of a downward spiral where we have those big correction years, um, big negative pullbacks, things like that. So that was kind of the feedback that we got from one of the investment research firms, Flexible Plan Investing. And it's kind of when, you know, depends on those trends as to whether or not the active or passive tends to be more popular. And unfortunately, it's like everything is humans. We kind of make the wrong decisions at the wrong times, you know. The active fund managers have seen outflows of cash over the last few years. And the passive funds have seen big inflows because the active guys aren't beating the market when the market's up 20 percent. That's pretty difficult to do when everything is running straight up. Um, So when we're in the kind of the, you know, 50 percent of the time when the market's doing well, the reality is you want your active guys just to get out of the way, pick the good areas, good quality stuff and let it ride and you want to be in that kind of passive mentality of Vanguard. But the reality is the other 50% of the time when the market's moving up and down and sideways, you need somebody to kind of pull out the areas that have value in them to create value. And also, you know, 20% of the time when the market's moving down, of course, rather than just ride it out in those passive funds and watch your portfolio completely lose years worth of gains and have the, the average recovery top to bottom to back to top is three and a half years you know, rather than go that three and a half years without earning anything and seeing any forward progress, you know, that's where the active guys come in. So it's funny, you know, at this cycle, you know, we're 10, whatever, 2008 from 2009, whatever that is, we've got that long run year after year after year of the stock market moving up. So all kind of the inflows of the cash and everybody's kind of abandoning their active managers and moving towards those passive strategies and saying, I want to save that money that I'm paying in fees, moving towards that passive side. And the reality is probably at this particular time, is a better time to see the opposite movements because sooner than later we're going to have some of these market corrections that we're seeing right now some of that volatility added in there and rather than relying on our own emotion that's when we want some of those active guys to say well you know let's move from the aggressive tech side of things to the more Defensive utilities areas of the marketplace and hopefully they've done that kind of leading into this and not today You know three months after the correction type of sector and even more so if we have one of those corrections of significance You know, we're well past due for that. Maybe we'll get into that later But you know a 20% decline or greater. That's really where you don't want to have to ride that out But you know we as individuals some of those lesser uh, Quality active managers, you know, they're not able to kind of determine the right times That's when we want those quality guys to come in and say well, You know, 2008, the market went down 18 months in a row. Did we want to sit there in a Vanguard index fund and ride that out? Probably not, right? That's the time frame that somebody with a lot of experience and resources can kind of make that transition. And that's that's kind of the mentality that you want to have is, you know, not chase the herd and chase the fat, you know, chase the cycles at the end of the cycle. You know, make more knowledgeable decisions and say, maybe now's the time to move towards the active guys and away from the passive. And after the major correction comes through. that's the time to move more towards the passive strategies and less active and kind of ride the market back up.
0: So obviously there's a lot to understand here and I'm glad that uh, you and Barron are there to help us with this. Uh, But what about fees? You mentioned we're going to talk about those and that's what I'm curious about because a lot of people don't realize that their, their stocks and their funds, whether it be through a 401k or an IRA, there's fees involved, right?
1: Yeah, Tony, that's a good question, and I'm going to go on a rant on that. So I guess maybe before we do, we'll take a quick commercial break here. You know, for all the listeners uh, out there, as we talk about some of these topics, you know, think of how they relate to yourselves. Um, you know, what areas you're missing, what areas you want to learn on. We're going to get into some interesting stuff in the next couple sections. Uh, reach out to us. We have a retirement X-ray tool. We can take a snapshot of your retirement kind Of analyze what's going on in there if you're too overly exposed to one particular area or another, what the fees are, things like that, that we'll get into here in a minute, and also how that kind of uh, incorporates to your overall retirement plan. You know, do you have a plan in place, or are you just kind of investing along the way, hoping it's going to work out in the end and kind of overlooking some of those factors? So, reach out to us 855 793 2409 or online at willingtonadams.com. Take advantage of our complimentary consultation in the Retirement X Ray report that we'll put together specifically for you
0: all right sounds like a sounds like a plan sounds like a good deal listeners pick up the phone give them a call what's that phone number again one more time
1: tony that's toll free 855-793-2409 the ups and downs of the stock market can be exciting but not if you're near or in retirement predictable returns may not be exciting but your needs tend to change later in life call wellington adams investment advisory We focus on crafting effective financial strategies. You can get your adrenaline rush elsewhere. Give our office a call at 855-793-2409
0: or visit us at wellingtonadams.com. And welcome back to Financially Tuned. I'm your co-host, Tony Shore, and our host is none other than Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams. And Simon, great show so far, talking about... Uh, really investing, active versus passive. And then you've been teasing us the entire first segment, uh, hinting at fees, that you're going to talk to us about fees. Well, what do we need to know about fees? Do all of my accounts, my 401ks, my IRAs, are there fees involved?
1: Sure, sure, there always are. The funny part is oftentimes we don't see them, so we're not aware of them. Sure, I had somebody recently tell me, well, I don't pay any fees in my 401k. And you thought, well, you know, there's some truth to that in reality, but there's not really. Because no matter what, if you're investing in the stock market or you have some type of fund, obviously they're not doing it for free is the clear point. Yeah. So, you know, we want to kind of get a better understanding or at least be aware of the facts of what's going on out there when you're comparing them because you kind of have two different scenarios. You know, you might have a commissionable scenario and mutual funds where you have expenses buried inside your 401k funds or your own individual accounts, or you might be paying an advisor and paying a flat fee and you know exactly what that fee is. And that might range from a half a percent to two percent. And you know exactly what it is and what dollars are being contributed and you see that blatantly on your statement. So you have a little bit more understanding there than maybe the other people do. And oftentimes, you know, regardless of which side you're on, you know, if everybody's being competitive, it all kinds of end up being the same in reality, despite all the stuff that I'm going to go into here. Um, because that's markets, you know, markets are efficient competition, things like that. Unless you fall into one of those kind of negative categories where it's kind of one extreme to another, you know, it's going to be kind of normalized whether or not you see it or it's buried or it's transparent in the relationships out there. But when I was, uh, Pulling up some information for this, I, know, I saw an article. It's a little bit older article. It's from uh, U- U.S. News and World Report, so a good source. They had an article titled, The Mutual Fund Fees We Don't Talk About. And I'm just going to read a brief excerpt because I worded it well and there was no point in trying to reword it. The first opening was, Mutual fund fees are often disclosed but not fully appreciated by many investors. The ultimate cost of owning a mutual fund is far greater than what meets the eye. This is primarily due to two reasons. First, only about a third of the total cost is reported by the expense ratio. That's the, well, I'll keep reading and I'll say that later. Often hidden fees can more than triple this explicit expense. Another factor often missed is the power of compounding fees and even small changes in expenses can be material over time. So that first part, you know, where it says the expense ratio, that's the one that everybody's aware of. That's the one that you can look up and see, and that one's kind of obvious. But their point is, you know, only about a third of the costs are related in that. And then the other fees are often hidden or compounded by other factors. So that's kind of the first key part. Um, Morningstar back in 2013 had reported that the average mutual fund expense was 1.25%. Now they're saying the average fund expense is somewhere between... A half a percent and 0.75 percent, and that's kind of widely across a number of different areas, not just Morningstar, that I kind of gathered and kind of compared. So there's a big range, obviously, whether you're on the passive side or the active side of some of the mutual funds, which makes sense again. You know, if somebody's involved making more decisions, making more movement, the cost of that's going to go up. The interesting part though, kind of the kicker of the whole thing and what they were kind of alluding to in that earlier section of that article, which I kind of broke down is that there's a lot of hidden costs in there that people don't realize. So all the time when I hear somebody saying, oh, well, my fees are only this, or I can't believe that you want us to pay 1% advisory fee, or you want, you know, our old guy was charging us 2% and that just seems absorbent. You know, it's all kind of relative and all kind of broken down in some of these things. Um, a couple of the things that they pointed out that were really interested in, they were saying, you know, on a on an average equity stock uh, fund, that's for a non-retirement account, the real hidden cost might be as much as 4% or greater. So some of the things that they pulled out that were interesting that I didn't you know, even think of over time as I see some of these things, one was things like the amount of cash that they have to keep on hand for a mutual fund for the buying and selling what you call liquidity needs. People that are trading it, buying it, using it for their funds. So they estimate that that could bring it down as much as 0.83%, so it was a little bit shy of 1%. Transaction costs, uh, buying and selling, whether it's people buying and selling the fund and them needing to free up the inter holdings, or whether it's people needing to make a trade because they bought or sold a different stock within the fund. You know, that total cost might be as much as 1.44%. A quarter of a percent is just commissions to brokers, which you don't even think about because, you know, if the mutual fund is that big, they don't realize that maybe they're still paying those brokerage fees that we, you know, only think we'd end up paying for. There's more complex ones like the bid-ask spread, which is complex and we're not going to get into it, but that's kind of basically the negotiating of who's buying and who's selling and the price there. And the brokers, the people making the trades, executing them, take a little bit of a skim in between. And that's just shy of a quarter percent. They also noted, interestingly enough, if it's huge funds, some of the big index funds and there's big movements like there has been the last several days where the market's moving quite significantly, you know, when they start executing that trade till the time that they end executing that trade, cause they don't buy it all at the same or sell it all at the exact same cost. It kind of has to move in layers that that could be nearly 1% difference across the board in the kind of cost and the impact that it has to the fund. And then of course, if it's a taxable account, the taxes, which they estimate being on average, which obviously well, is work.
0: it's interesting. Obviously, obviously there are a lot of different fees involved here and a lot to understand. Um, yeah. there's commissions, there's fees with different things. And so retirement and planning for it, especially when it comes to our finances and our investments, uh, can get kind of crazy. Um, you know, and you work with a lot of clients and try to minimize those fees. Uh, but, uh, they vary and uh, there's a wide range and variety of fees out there, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there really is. You know, the bottom line, you know, kind of throw some of those little details in there to make people realize that maybe they don't realize it. But the bottom line is all those little things aren't important. You know, the fact is, is that there are costs, there are hidden costs. It's difficult for people to find those at the end. You know, it's kind of one of those things that it's all relative because they range widely and so many of them are buried or hidden and so many people are unaware of them. But, you know, what you want to really want to kind of get into is, you know, what's the value that you're getting for the fees that you're paying? You know, if you're working with a broker and they charge a transaction cost to buy or sell, you know, are they adding any value? Are they giving you feedback on the stuff that they're buying or selling? You know, if it's a fund that you're paying for, if it's a passive fund and all you want is broad exposure, then do it cheaply. But if you want somebody in there doing some stuff for you because you don't know that much, then obviously the cost is going to go up. And if you're working with an advisor, you know, those fees are going to range a half a percent to two percent of the fees that they're managing. And what are you getting at the end of the day for what you're paying? You know, if you're paying somebody a half a percent versus two percent, you know, obviously we will say we want a half a percent. But if the people that you're paying two percent to are adding a significant amount of value and getting you farther ahead at the end of the day than the person that you're paying a half a percent, you know, who cares what you're paying if at the end of the day you're after kind of cost return is greater or the value they're adding is so significantly greater that they're making up for that. And that, you know, I think that's kind of what the big picture is, is, you know, what are you getting in relative to what are you paying for? What's the value that's being added there?
0: At the end of our last segment, you were talking about, or you mentioned the value someone is getting for what they're paying. Um, Talk about that.
1: Sure, Tony. You know, there's kind of broadly, as we talked about two different relationships out there. You might be working with an advisor and paying a fee for the service that you're getting. And you might be a little bit more transparent and understanding what you're paying in that particular case, or you might just be working with a regular representative and whether that's brokerage or insurance side, you might not be paying them specifically out of pocket, but obviously they're making a commission on the funds that they're selling you sometimes upfront and sometimes ongoing and sometimes a combination of the two reality is like I said earlier, you know, oftentimes, Regardless of the situation, if everybody's somewhat competitive, they're all kind of the same. You know, that's that's the way the market works. There are extreme situations out there for certain. But, you know, the question becomes, like you said, or we're talking about here, was what the value that you're getting. Oftentimes, in so many cases, basically the value that you're getting is just investment advice. The person's taking your money and they're investing it for you. And that's what you're getting in exchange. So the question becomes, you know, are they adding enough value and the advice that you're giving. And that's easy to find. I mean, we can pull a Morningstar report tells you exactly kind of how the funds that they've picked are doing relative to just a broad benchmark. And you can see, Hey, they've added value. They're doing better or, Hey, they're lagging or they've taken on a lot more risk in order to get the same return as that I could just have gotten by doing a 60 40 split with a stock and bond index fund and pay virtually nothing. So, you know, that's the big part of, you know, what's the value that you're getting in exchange for, the costs that that you're paying.
0: Sure. So uh, obviously uh, for investment advice, sometimes you're just paying for that. Uh, But, you know, I I know there's a lot to it. We talk about it on the show and you're always encouraging people to have a written plan. Uh, How many people out there that when they first come to you have a, a written plan? Probably not very many.
1: Yeah, unfortunately not. So, if we talk about, you know, generally people are often just getting investment advice. Uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about a couple points that you should be looking for, especially as you get closer to retirement. And I say that sometimes and I want to take it back all the time because I'm thinking, you know, even if you're young and you're saving, you want to know if you're on track, right? You don't want to wait till you're 55 or 60 to know if you're on right. track for retirement. So, regardless of your age, um, I would say roughly, and if just trying to put a number on it, I would say it's, it's definitely less than 10% of new prospective clients that walk in the door and sit down with us, have a written plan. And it's probably less than 5%, but who knows? It's less than 10% for sure. And that's really unfortunate. I mean, that, that means right. that less than 10% of people that come in have something in writing that they can refer to, to see if they're going to be on track to reach their retirement goals, which means in reality that The advisor or the representative whoever it is that they're working with the this financial services professional as we'll call them has probably not taken the time really to outline their goals talk to them figure out how much they need to have saved really they're just taking the money that they're giving them and investing them and that's really kind of doing a disservice in the end you're not really helping somebody you know, maybe you're doing, you know, you're giving them some peace of mind on the investments that they're picking because they don't know which ones to pick. But at the end of the day, that's not really any type of advice or retirement planning, is it? And it's not really getting you towards a goal other than saving.
0: Right, right. And you you really need to make sure that you're covering all the bases, right? Uh, So planning is a big part of that. And you have to consider when you talk about that plan that you need to have in place for retirement, there's a lot to it, right? I mean, there's social security, there's taxes, these types of things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ideally, when some when you sit down with somebody to invest your money, what you what you should be looking for is them to start asking you about yourself, your goals, where do you want to be in the long term and what is the purpose of this money? How long is it going to be invested? You know, Are you going to keep adding to it or is this the last chance? You know, this is all that you're going to have to be investing moving forward because of whatever the reason might be. So, yes, your plan is going to include, you know, your Social Security and retirement. If you're fortunate enough to have a pension, You know, how much do you need to fill an income gap? You know, you're going to need to outline and estimate what your income is going to your income needs are going to be, your expenses, that things you have to pay for, as well as the fun stuff that you want to do, trips, travel, hobbies, whatever that may be. You know, what's that income goal outlined? You know, they're going to help you figure out what that means according to inflation based on your age and then how much you need to have saved in your investments to help meet that goal, as well as have some set aside for all the unknowns that are going to come Oh, at the end of the day.
0: All right. Well, that sounds great. Now we're almost out of time for today's show. Is there anything else you want to add or talk about before we go today?
1: Well, Tony, you know, just what we kind of mentioned there, you know, if you've sat down with somebody and you're investing your money and they don't have, they haven't asked you about your taxes, your income, you know, what your estate planning goals are in the long term, what your income goals are and needs, where the direction of this money is, and they haven't outlined a plan for you, give us a call. We've got the retirement X-ray tool that we mentioned earlier. So we can kind of give an analysis of what's going on with the particular investments and any part of a plan that you have together, but more so we can help you shape a plan moving forward, outline and consider things like the taxes, the estate planning, how things will transition to your beneficiaries, how much you need to be saving to get to a comfortable place in retirement, how to transition that, how to invest those monies along the way so that you have a safe, secure income for yourself. Um, reach out to us at 855-793-2409 or online at wellingtonadams.com. We'll sit down and spend some time with you. That's a complimentary offer that we're putting out there.
0: All right. Thanks, Simon. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Financially Tuned with our host, Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams. Thank you for listening to Financially Tuned. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Baron Fitzgerald or Simon Hilliard at Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. Call 855 793 2409 or visit them online at wellingtonadams.com.